Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. All right. So, Grandma Bertha was not my favorite grandma. Grandma Kika was my favorite grandma. She was my special abuelita. She was fun, and she played games with us, and she played music with us, and she was married to my grandfather, her husband, for 60 years, over 60 years, and they lived in the same house that my grandfather built, and I had lots of cousins, and my brothers and sisters and I would go over there and feel like it was our second home. Grandma Bertha was my father's mother, and he was her only child. She was only married briefly to my grandfather, my father's father. And then since then, she lived alone. So she lived alone most of her life. She was a big-boned woman. And her name was Bertha. <laughs> she wasn't always big-boned. She had hazel eyes. She had white skin, which was different than me. But her father was Spanish, and so she... She would look different than me. There was nothing she ever did or said to me that would make me afraid of her, but I was intimidated by her presence. She worked hard. She worked in a pickle factory, which was hard labor, and then she worked as a waitress uh, for the rest of her career. My grandma Bertha died in 1992. They discovered her body three days after she had a heart attack. I accompanied my father to Los Angeles to go through her belongings. I was, I was deeply saddened, not only for my father and for the way my grandmother died, but I was sad for myself as well, because I never really got the opportunity to know her, never got the opportunity to try to identify to her. So when I was in her apartment, I just happened to sit in one of her favorite chairs, and it must have been because it was where her TV was and where her books were. I just happened to find a little note on the table sitting by the chair. It was with her handwriting, and I looked at it. And it was a poem she had copied by Joyce Kilmer called Simply Trees. And that was the seed that inspired me to try to figure out what it was what kind of connection I could possibly have with this woman that I can identify with. And I recalled my childhood memories of her. She came and spent the night with us. When my parents were still married, we had a small house in San Gabriel, California. Uh, she used to sleep in the living room. And my brother and sisters and I shamefully would resist her visits because she snored really loud. <laughs> yeah, and her name was Bertha. <laughs> right? So anyway, one night I went to the bathroom, I snuck to the bathroom, it was dark, everybody was sleeping, and I saw some movement in the living room, and it was my grandma Bertha. And it looks as if she was praying in front of the cross that we had in our living room with Jesus on it. And if there was anything else more I was afraid of than my grandma Bertha, it was God. Yeah. And when I got closer to the shadows of where she was, where I thought she was praying, I was sort of freaked out because, guess what, she wasn't praying. 
She was in some sort of position on the ground with her belly down and her hands lifted up and her head up to the ceiling. And she said, do you want to come over and try this? And I'm like, oh, what are you doing, you weird lady? <laughs> okay, so I did. I think I did. But what I do remember about that evening is that she taught me. Now, the most important part about this exercise is to breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. You know what, I'm going to do that one more time. <sighs> Felt good. So this was 1968, folks. I was eight years old. My grandma was doing yoga in the living room. But at that time, as a child, it was a little strange. After my parents divorced, I saw her more infrequently. But my father would take us to East LA in his Chevy. She lived on Soto Street, and we would visit her there. When you walked into her pink, big pink building that sort of sat up on a hill, and when you walked inside, the wood was really dark, and it was musty, and you could smell old menudo and onions and cilantro. And they had the little peak gates, and you could hear people talking in Spanish, and sometimes they'd open the peak gates and ask who was out there. It was very gothic. And you would go up these long, this long staircase, and it creaked, you know. Oh, we're going to Grandma Bertha's house. I don't want to. But once you got inside her apartment, it was actually very lovely. Uh, it was well lit. Um, she didn't make a lot of money as a waitress, so she had all these mismatched furniture and weird paintings, and she had a record player with Patsy Cline and Judy Garland and Billie Holiday albums. The kitchen was the best part of the whole apartment because it was very well lit, and the eating area had French doors where you could look out into the landscape of Los Angeles with the palm trees and the clothes um, hanging on lines and waving in the... And then, you know, all the Mexican kids running around and the parents yelling at them. And, but, you know, it was very, very, you know, very cultural, you know, very different than the world I grew up in. I grew up in the valley, because I was a valley girl. <laughs> and she had a bird named Poppy. And Poppy, she taught how to speak Spanish. Te quiero, te quiero to each other, which means I love you, I love you. And it was the only time I really saw my, gra my grandma's sort of hardened face turn, turn soft when she talked to that little bird, but she didn't cage the bird. The bird would fly all over the apartment, so you'd have to, like, watch yourself, you know? Okay, <laughs> Poppy, love Grandma Bertha. She's over there. Can't miss her. She's got bright red hair. And so then she would make her famous chicken soup. Oh, no, she's going to make that chicken soup with the big cut-up vegetables and the weird spices that she probably learned at one of the restaurants she worked at. And the chicken, she didn't even cut the chicken. She made put big chicken chunks and bring it in a bowl to you and you're a little child, you're trying to eat the soup. But it was actually very good. It was just different. It wasn't like Grandma Kika's soup. She didn't have plates like Grandma Kika either. They were all different because she got them, you know, at the thrift store. She had little porcelain souvenirs from other countries. She never traveled. She, uh, she took the bus everywhere in Los Angeles. But if you didn't know and you went into her apartment, you might have thought she was a world traveler. 
So we would eat our soup, try to call Poppy over to eat some of the soup. It's right here. Then as a teenager, I used to take the bus from San Gabriel to Venice Beach. And my father told me that she was working at the Greyhound bus station in a little diner that was tucked away there. This was in the 1970s, so I did a transfer in downtown Los Angeles. And I decided to go and visit her there where she worked. I had never seen her work before. And when I went in there, she was shuffling with her varicose veins. Her name was Bertha. <laughs> and she bought me a sandwich. The Greyhound bus station was, in the 70s was very, 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 very scary. You know, lots of transients and bums and hobos, as we called the homeless people then, and uh, drug addicts. And this little diner was really downtrod. It was really, really funky. Um, she served me a sandwich. She bought me something to drink. And then I was, I was leaving, I noticed that she had been having a conversation with a, what looked like to me was a bum. She had bought him some coffee. I can't remember what else she bought him, but something to eat. And when he left, instead of him giving her money, she gave him money. And so, when I was in her apartment, I revisited those memories, not as a child, but as an adult. What was I scared of? Was I scared of Grandma Bertha? Was I scared of the yoga? No, that was progressive. <laughs> was I scared of Poppy? No, that was an extension of her and her free spirit. Was I afraid of the staircase in her apartment or her apartment? No, that was eclectic and cool and unique and shabby chic and very anthropology. <laughs> very anthropology. I was scared. I was as scared as a little girl of her aloneness. I was scared that I would grow up and I would be alone too. And guess what? I did grow up. And I'm alone. And I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> I'm a really good cook. <laughs> and after this menopause thing is over, <laughs> I'm the girl for you. Jesse, Lynn, and Lawrence. She has given me a gift. I love my grandma Kika. She's my favorite grandma, but you know what? We didn't have that much in common. I live alone with four rescue dogs at the end of a cul-de-sac with a garden. And you know, it's not so bad. It's not at the abyss I thought it was going to be as a little girl. And now, I don't see her aloneness as a flaw. I see it as strength. 
I don't see the fact that she didn't have a boyfriend or a husband as a deficit. I see it as liberation and an opportunity of self-discovery. Yeah, being alone sucks sometimes, right? Being in a relationship sucks sometimes, too. Go to Home Depot like on a Saturday afternoon and go to the color department. Just pick a color, just pick a color. She broke the mold for me. She paved the way to be the different archetype for my nieces and my nephews and anybody else behind me and my family. And there are times when I do feel lonely. And when those times come, I put on Joni Mitchell or Linda Ronstadt and I get a glass of wine and I have this really cool picture of my grandma when she was in her 20s. She's got her hair up and she's smiling and she has a she has a flower in her hair, just like Billie Holiday. And I make a toast to her. And I channel Grandma Bertha. <laughs>